Could you tell me the way to Innisfree? Innisfree? Ah, five miles and maybe a half more. Do you see that road over there? Yeah. Well, don't take that one. It'll do you no good. No, the best road of Innisfree and many's the to walk. Ah, and walk it's in Innisfree it. you want. Be saving yeah. your breath, Mr. Maloney. Let me direct the gentleman. Happen you know the way to Knockanore? Knockanore? If he knew the way to Knockanore, would he be asking the way to Innisfree and it just beyond? There's many knows Knockanore that doesn't know Innisfree. And if you'd take the time to study your country's history, Mr. Maloney, you'd be no. the first to admit it. Ah, no, don't be sent to the poor man to Knockanore. So the fishing is finished there entirely. Hello, and welcome to the Screen Test of Time, the podcast where we watch every movie ever nominated for Best Picture. I'm Susan Araslin. I'm David Daw. Before we start the podcast this week, I just want to give a quick content warning because we are going to have to discuss intimate partner violence, also known as domestic violence, also known as spousal abuse, because that is a not insignificant part of why I fucking hate this movie, which is The Quiet Man, starring John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara. Yeah. I don't hate this movie as much as you do, but I do hate... I hate all of Act 3. I hate where that thing completely breaks down and this movie becomes a movie about how hot it makes the female lead when John Wayne is abusive toward her. Yeah, well, the problem is this movie is like... What if we made a movie about the charming customs of small town Ireland and also spousal abuse? Yeah. And I'm like, what? But, but we had the charming customs of small town Ireland. Why would she ruin this? And like John Ford does a really good job with this charming customs of small town Ireland thing. This feels like a believable small town and a yes. fun small town to be in until the part where everyone in the small town actually just thinks violence is not only acceptable, it's the only way to go through life. And even if you have a really, really good reason not to want to punch people... Your wife's only going to love you if you punch people, including her. Yes. Ugh, fuck. Yeah, so now you know why I hate this movie. is <laughs> because it's not just bad. It's that it has moments that are really, really delightful. And then this. Yeah. Also, John Wayne sucks. I'm sorry. John Wayne fucking sucks. I do not get it at all. Like, I guess, you know, men thought that he was manly or whatever. But there's a part of this movie where it's raining and he's wearing a white button-down shirt and it gets soaked through. And I'm like, am I supposed to think this is hot? Because I don't. (laughs) Yeah, I think, like, for me, the degree to which John Wayne works in this film is the degree to which he's a fish out of water. Because, like you say, whenever he's supposed to be, like, charming or hot, it's like, I can see that man's hairline. You're fooling no one. (laughs) When he is just like, I'm just an American and I just don't want people to know I punched a man to death. You're bringing a weird vibe and you're supposed to be. So I'm kind of into it. Yeah, I guess. I just don't get it. I mean, part of it, too, is that he is a fish out of water, but he's not doing the Western thing. He supposedly was raised in Pittsburgh. And I just don't get that same energy from him, if that makes sense. Yeah, the raised in Pittsburgh thing is like, you just have to believe that that's bullshit. Like, for some reason. (laughs) He's just lying. He's actually definitely from Iowa. Like, I don't know why he's telling everyone he's from Pittsburgh. I, at first... (laughs) They don't know, so... In Act 1, he has like this secret past he's clearly covering up. 
And I was like, oh, I guess the Pittsburgh lie is related to the secret that he's keeping. But then the secret he's keeping has nothing to do with that. And I guess he's just supposed to be from Pittsburgh. Yeah. And I just never went back and like corrected my priors <laughs> um, in the back half of the movie. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we should do the plot outline of this sure <laughs> yes no we actually really should because otherwise this movie in talking about it it makes no sense yeah i mean actually in telling you the plot it also may not make any sense but there is a story so john wayne returns to his ancestral home in ireland one day with a lot of money to buy his little ancestral cottage and in buying that plot of land he pisses off the biggest asshole in town who happens to be the brother of the hot redhead he wants to bang. Yes. As a result, that brother refuses to give the sister away and because of tradition, she will not just marry him anyway. So they do this advanced level scheme where they convince the brother a rich widow wants to hook up with him, but only if his sister gets out of the house. So he consents to let John Wayne marry her, but then finds out that it was a deception and refuses to give her inheritance and a bunch of other stuff to her, which really understandably really pisses her off. They call it her fortune, but it's a dowry. So it's like furniture that has been handed down to all the women in her family forever when they get married, and also 350 pounds yeah. of money, not of, like, furniture. <laughs> and they fight about this, and he borderline is abusive during this scene, and she's kind of hot for it, which is fucking complicated. Oh, no, he is absolutely abusive. He's, he's borderline physically abusive. Yeah. And she's kind of hot for it, which is fucking complicated, and I don't like it. And then she gets her furniture. There's a whole complicated thing to be talking about, about like how complicated and weird she is. But the point is she gets her furniture, but she doesn't get the actual dowry money. And she's really pissed off about it and keeps implying that John Wayne should just go over and beat the shit out of her brother until he gives her the money. And John Wayne doesn't want to do that because his backstory is he was a boxer who accidentally punched a dude so hard he died. Which is a pretty good reason to not want to be in fights anymore. Yeah. That uh, doesn't matter, though, because everyone in town thinks he's a coward. And he can't talk about it because he's John Wayne. So instead, what happens is his wife tries to leave him on the train. He grabs her, wrenching her arm and dragging her five miles to town while the entire town cheers, getting into a bigger and bigger mob behind them until he gets into a big fight with the brother that is played as wacky comedy and has some pretty good wacky comedy fight choreography. But at this point, you're like, Jesus. The entire town, by the way, is now betting on who is going to win and going out to watch it, including a guy who was on his deathbed 
and had a priest reading him last rites. Such a fucking Monty Python bit. Right. But sorry, yes. But then when he heard that there was a fight, yeah. he was completely revived. Also, like, three separate ministers all run out to see the fight. Like, again, if it weren't for this domestic violence angle, this plays. Like, John Ford knows what he's fucking doing, and that is in some ways the worst part. Yes! <laughs> It's a well-crafted movie yeah. in service of this, in service of John Wayne sometimes literally dragging his wife five miles. Like, she falls at one point. He doesn't even stop to let her stand up, just drags her along the ground. Yeah. <sighs> and again, whole town's into it. She's into it. Eventually, yeah. Not in a way where, like, she feels like a fully realized, complicated character. In a way where the movie just kind of wants to give John Wayne a moral pass for this. And it sucks. Anyway, the fight solves everybody's problems because fighting is great. Yes. And sometimes you just gotta smack somebody, including your wife. And then the film's over. Yep. I think he gets the money. It literally doesn't even matter. Like, as soon as he's fighting... It's like that has actually solved the problem. It's not great. No, and the first act and a half are really charming. Not because of John Wayne, because of all of the minor characters in this town. Like the drunk buggy driver that is also playing matchmaker, which is a literal formal role for John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. And there are just two random guys that have like a little bit of a Greek chorus role. There are two separate priests that are actually distinct characters, which I find a just genuinely impressive task. <laughs> yeah, I like all of the small town bits. I don't even inherently hate the like, conflict between John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara. When you think this is a movie about a guy who just can't punch his way out of a problem and a community that keeps pushing him to do that, right? I think it's actually a really engaging story about a no-win scenario. It's when it goes, actually, there is a win here. Just fucking punch people, you goddamn sissy. That it's like, fucking, he killed a man. I really understand. Like, I... Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And I think the issue with him not understanding the cultural and emotional value of his wife's fortune that she's not getting, or her dowry really is what it is, that that conflict is actually really interesting. That it leads him to be constantly abusive to her instead of going, oh yeah, I will listen to this issue, but you need to know that I'm not going to go beat up your brother to get it. It's the fucking problem of all of these movies where if a guy just talks to his wife, there's no movie. <laughs> this is a situation where I actually think Mary-Kate, Maureen O'Hara's character, I think there's actually room in this movie for him to tell her and her to still go, just go punch my brother, which I think would be interesting. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And I think would add some weight to the third act. Yeah. There is a point, not that it like justifies fucking being violent toward her, but this is the first movie we've ever watched where a female lead has been described as like, she's a spitfire and a lot to handle where I've gone, okay, she's a spitfire and a lot to handle and not just a redhead. <laughs> 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, they could just cast Deborah Kerr, and then we were like, oh well, I guess she's a Spitfire, even though she's been half asleep this movie. I think that again, not to the point where it's like he should then hit her, but I think this movie is actually fascinating in the way that it lets her be kind of irritating. <laughs> Kind of hard to deal with. Kind of putting him in a no-win scenario. I don't even think that she's necessarily like... Yeah, I guess she is hard to deal with. That's fair. I mean, she definitely has the taming of the shrewish qualities at the beginning. But then once they get married where she's really like, I want my fortune. And is insistent about it. And it's interesting because I don't think that she comes off as shrewish. I think she comes off as strong, angry... And hard-headed, but she doesn't come off as what she wants is not unreasonable. Yeah. It's the way that she wants to go about it that is unreasonable. But he's being unreasonable as well. For sure. And he's being unreasonable and hurting her. Yes. The dragging her five miles thing is clearly supposed to play as a taming of the shrew thing. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And it doesn't. Like, it does not at all. Well, I mean, it does, but that's also why I hate <laughs> That's Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it does, but it plays it as, like, she is the one that needs to get shamed here. Yes. No. John Wayne also probably shouldn't get shamed here, but clearly the one who should get shamed here is the shitty brother, and not her. Right. And they could have been in on this together. That's the thing that really bugs me, is, like, he could have taken her... And done the thing where he throws her in front of her brother and says, look, if you don't give me my, uh, or if you don't give her her dowry, then she's not my wife. That's how it works. That's your custom, right? Yeah. She could have been in on this. Yeah. And instead, he's just had it. So he's going to drag her five miles and just fucking get rid of her and then beat this guy up. Instead of like, I'm going to do this thing that's really hard for me because it is what is necessary to make my wife feel like she is a human and to get the things that are owed to her. Yeah. But there's no... I don't understand why they get married, frankly. <laughs> like, it's supposed to be... I mean, this is where you not finding John Wayne attractive and me not finding him particularly tra attractive it really unbalances the film because it's very clearly like a just animal attraction thing. All of these customs stand in the way, but Maureen O'Hara wants to bang him so bad. Yeah. Is how it's supposed to play. It instead just plays as her really blowing hot and cold because, like, this ain't young Brando. <laughs> well, also, I think that even though Maureen O'Hara is doing a very good job of being reasonably unreasonable. <laughs> yeah. Where, like, the thing that she wants is totally reasonable, but the way she's going about it is not. I don't think that she is doing a very good job of convincing me that she's hot for John Wayne. Maybe they just don't have very good chemistry. They have good, violent chemistry. I absolutely believe that she is afraid of him, and I absolutely believe he wants to hurt her. But I don't believe that they want to make out. I mean, half of the time that he kisses her, it's her being like, I don't want you to kiss me. And he's like, yes, you do, and I'm going to do it. I think the best she ever plays being attracted to him is the thing where she has to come out of that kiss and be like, yes, that was what I wanted the whole time. 
And when she's supposed to be like second to second into him, she just seems like bored by him. Yeah, exactly. It's only when he is incredibly aggressive to her, including being physically violent toward her, that she like activates. Yes. And it sucks. We should talk about the charming qualities of... (laughs) Small town Irish life, though. Let's let's at least do talk about the nice parts of this before we give it probably a not very good grade. There's this moment right at the very beginning that like, I mean, like literally right at the very beginning, there's this sort of wonderful scene setting thing where everybody at the train station starts arguing with each other about giving John Wayne directions. Like, this is the vibe. Like, this is what we're doing. And the way they do it is so lovely. You know, one of them says that their sister makes the drive to Innisfree all the time and she'd be happy to do that, but she's not here right now. And one asks if he knows where somewhere this other town is. And some guys says, that's past Innisfree. And the other guy says, yeah, well, but it's on the way and most people know how to get to that town, don't they? Yeah. It's really lovely. Yeah. And then there's also this thing that I think if it was setting the scene for the vibe of the rest of the movie, I would really love this movie, where the brother initially comes in and tries to start shit with John Wayne, tries to take a swing at him, and John Wayne just throws his coat over the guy's head and lets him run into a wall and, like, (laughs) pays for his drinks and goes, be seeing everybody, and walks out. If this was a movie about a town trying to push a man into conflict that, like, knows better than to do that, which is what it seems like for the first hour of this film. Yeah. This movie would be great. Instead, it goes like, no, actually, the town was right the whole time. You could have saved everybody a lot of time and trouble just clocking that guy right then. Yes. Oh, also, I really like Barry Fitzgerald in this movie. The matchmaker priest. Yeah. Who is also the priest from Going My Way. (laughs) Yeah. There's a little bit where he gets drunk and he keeps referring to John Wayne's character, whose name is Sean Thornton, as Ton Thornton. There's also a bit which I genuinely love where briefly he is chasing John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara as they've sort of run away on their matchmaking date to be alone together. And the reason he doesn't win that chase, even though they're on a bike and he has a horse, is that the horse instinctively stops in front of the bar. (laughs) It just comes to a dead halt in front of the bar. Like, no, I know what I'm doing. This is what we always do. Was this not the destination? I don't understand. (laughs) Yeah. There's the horse race at the beginning-ish. Yeah, I guess it's like half an hour into the movie. Yes. With the hats So all the women put their hats on these poles and then there's a horse race that ends going through the poles and, you know, the first person who goes through gets to snatch somebody's hat and then I guess they get a date or something. Yeah. Maureen O'Hara was not going to do it. She was not going to put her hat up and then finally someone convinced her and then he didn't take it and they got in a big fight about that. He didn't take it as part of the, like, plot to make the brother jealous so that he could marry Maureen O'Hara, but, like, it's the whole relationship in microcosm because he didn't tell her that. Yep, and so she was humiliated, which somehow ended up with him getting what he wanted. It it is actually a microcosm of the whole relationship. The cinematography is beautiful for this movie. Yeah. There are some green screen or blue screen moments that are actually not too obvious. (laughs) 
Certainly not like they were in The Greatest Show on Earth. Yeah, they use it to do basically indoor for outdoor stuff and do a fairly good job of it. It clearly is like kind of pickup shots and stuff instead of like trying to make it the big special effects showcase. Yeah. One of them that's also one of my favorite individual acting moments in this movie is during that horse race scene, they kind of keep cutting back to reaction shots and all the reaction shots are against a stone wall that's supposed to be outdoors, but is pretty clearly green screened. But at one point, it's the brother talking to the matchmaker guy and the Catholic priest. I know the Protestant one is the one that like gets specifically close to John Wayne, but then there's the other priest, and I've, I've, I'm not quite sure what his denomination is, but he's kind of the like more libertine priest, and so kind of my belief is he's the Catholic one, because then it's a better bit. Like, that doesn't actually make sense, so it's a better bit. Father Lonergan? Yes. The guy who's always fishing? Yeah. Okay, that's the one that I thought was Catholic, yes. He's definitely Catholic. Anyway. There's this shot where the brother, the matchmaker, and the Catholic priest are all sort of standing around, and the matchmaker is trying to convince the brother that this rich widow really wants to marry him so that he will let John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara get married to get her out of the way so he can marry the rich widow. And the Catholic priest is doing the best, don't fuck this up, don't fuck this up. I know, just don't, just nod, just smile and nod. This is going to work. It's going to work. Don't fuck it up. Like, look, there are so many charming small moments of acting from the town cast in this movie that this feels like a real lived in place in a way that even though I agree with you that act three, when the big fight happens, this movie completely falls apart and I hate it. This movie never bored me. No. Oh, I was never bored. Yeah. I was either delighted at how adorable this village is or enraged. Yeah. I have watched a lot of isn't small town life charming movies and gone, no, it's not. I've lived in a small town. It fucking sucks. Why are you doing this to me? (laughs) And I'm sure that little Irish towns are not actually this adorable across the board. Well, there's that, but there's also from a filmmaking perspective- It's so easy to let this fall into broad cliches about, like, the simplicity of life in the country, you know? And, like, it's the specificity of all the people in this town that make it so charming. Yes. And it does a really great job with that, both on a directing level and on an acting level. I think everybody below John Wayne is doing great work. And it's interesting because that's usually something that you can't, I mean, I guess you can do it. It's something that doesn't usually happen in movies like this, but happens in television shows where they have enough time that everybody gets to be their own specific person. They do a really good job in this of, instead of painting everybody with this same, like, small, quaint town brush, they have specific and interesting personalities the fact that i know the difference between the two catholic priests and would never confuse them at all yeah is pretty impressive because they don't have that much screen time especially the one father lonergan who's always fishing and his fishing even is like instead of it being oh well his character trait is he likes fishing 
He's always fishing, but that's not what his character is like. No, there's a specificity there. There's this one salmon that's his fucking Moby Dick. Yes. Like he has been trying (laughs) to catch this one fish for literally years is like a really good bit. There's this charming moment at the wedding where everybody is doing this kind of vaguely inappropriate, like, ah, the old ball and chain. Once you get married, you realize you don't want to get married kind of Irish folk song. Yep. And he comes in and everyone stops for a moment and he shushes the guy away on the piano because he knows how to play that song way better and just (laughs) goes into the second verse of it. It's great. That first big fight after they get married, I found the movie charming enough. I almost spotted it, that fight. I was like, okay, it's like, it's 52. He's going to throw her around. It's going to be okay. They're going to like be okay at the end. And that's going to be the real low point of this thing before they like reconcile. And then act three is just like, nope, can't square the circle. This movie fucking sucks. Like this movie just came down with the wrong ending, did it the wrong way. And like, again, when I say the wrong way, I mean the stuff between the two of them, because it is, again, technically very well made. Like the fight choreography is good. They take a little break in the middle of the fight to go drinking. Which really made me mad because it was like, oh, this is again the charming Irish thing. Yeah. But I'm mad about this. Yes. I watched this with Nikki and Nikki was like, this is a real fucking tilt of a movie. The back third does ruin it so completely but it's this weird thing that I don't think we've watched a whole lot of movies like this where when it falls apart on a storytelling level it doesn't fall apart on a filmmaking level. That scene in the pub fucking plays it works in service of a thing that doesn't work and sucks. It's really frustrating because it's like a well made movie in service of a shitty story (sighs) Yeah, let's rate this. Sure. Um, (laughs) Two. I'm going to go all the way up to, I would, I could argue myself to a four. I'm going to go all the way up to a three. Yeah, I could argue myself to a three, but definitely not to a four. Yeah. There's just way, way too much violence in this movie that is specifically directed at Maureen O'Hara from John Wayne. I mean, the fighting part is frustrating that the answer is actually no violence is the answer, but I just can't... Yeah, actually, I'm going to stay at a two. (laughs) There's just way too much spousal abuse in this film for me to go any higher than that, even with all the stuff that is good about it. Yeah, it's like, it's... It's complicated because the way we have often rated this kind of movie that's two-thirds good and then completely collapses in the back third is like, that's a six. And this movie isn't a six. This movie is nowhere close to a six. No. And I think it's complicated to go like, is this movie just not rated? It's complicated to give any number to how many points does it lose for spousal abuse, right? Because the answer is like, not a number, infinity. Like, why are you, don't say three, that's bad. And how many points could it come back from that with? Because like, the cinematography is beautiful. (laughs) Right. So just like, the numbers, just two, like, I I, like, kind of out of exhaustion. (laughs) I don't know if even for like, our bit, 
about objectively rating things that can't objectively be rated. That's the objective rating I would go to. But like, also, this is just a movie where I kind of think you just can't do that. This is actually failing the screen test of time. I mean, that I can say objectively and absolutely is true, that this just fails the screen test of time completely. Yeah, but I think we sort of throw that around often as being like, this movie didn't age well, or like, this movie is boring now because we put more things in movies these days. Even if this is a binary pass-fail, this movie fails. Right. It almost doesn't deserve a rating in this weird way. Which is very frustrating because in other ways, it's a very good movie. I feel like that's going to be a thing that we're going to experience more and more going forward. <laughs> People know how to make movies at this point in film history. You know, there's no excuse to nominate a movie that is poorly made. Like the craftsmanship of making a movie is bad. And there will still be those, but there's no excuse for them anymore. <laughs> And I think we're going to run into a lot of these. Wow, from a sociological perspective, this movie is fucking abhorrent, but it looks pretty. I mean, I think even above and beyond it looking pretty, I think that a lot of this movie is well-written and well-performed and gives a sense of place in a way a lot of movies we have seen haven't. But I don't think that that means like, so we're going to spot it domestic abuse. Right. Yeah. A lot of the time when we see a movie that like, is this morally abhorrent? It also sucks as a movie. And so there's nothing for me to talk about there. It's just like, eh, easy one. Good day. Yes. You failed. Goodbye, sir. (laughs) Right. And this is a movie where there are things about this movie I want to laud it for while also acknowledging that it has completely failed the screen test of time. Right. And that you shouldn't watch it for that reason. Yeah, I mean... I would argue. Yeah, I... I, Yeah. I think, again, I had a better time, even with the fucking terrifyingly bad third act, watching this movie than I had watching a lot of movies we've watched. But, yeah, don't watch this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So next week... We are watching High Noon, which I'm excited about. I am too. Western starring Gary Cooper, which seems like a weird combo to me now that I've seen as many Gary Cooper movies as I have, but then also seems like that's a strange choice, but an inspired one. Yeah, I will be really interested because I do think Gary Cooper is one of those actors where I do not necessarily immediately think of him as a good actor for Westerns. Oh, but if you use him right, he could do really fascinating stuff with a Western. Right, yeah. High Noon is very well regarded. I have never seen it. I haven't either. And Grace Kelly is in it. Yeah. It was the movie I was excited to see from this year before we got to this year. Well, and I gotta say the field is wide open. (laughs) Yeah, so far, yeah. So far, I'm not impressed with either of the two movies we have watched for 1952 at all. So, yeah, tune in next week to see if this one uh, steps into the lead. <laughs> and until then... I'm, no, I mean, this was a movie. The problem was that it was a movie with a terrible moral. The problem for us was it was a movie. Yes. I wish it wasn't in some ways. That's the worst part. (laughs) (sighs) Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Oh, I went out one morning, it being the month of May. A farmer and his daughter had spied upon me.
Shine was all attire and the quick they rode about. 